Hey everyone, welcome to another episode of Glap. Of course, it's me, your host, Paolo. And today's episode is obviously going to be great. But before you get to that, I would like to thank our sponsors, um, Mask and More Manila, Comic Cat, and Swagat Indian Cuisine. So basically, today's episode, we're basically going to talk about tradition, culture, and about being a modern woman in this day and age, right? Because the one thing that we can all agree on is that with this day and age, we need to be who we are, be open. And, you know, sometimes tradition may hinder that, but of course, it depends on the person. So I'm not really going to give a long introduction for our guest. She's really awesome. Uh, you know what they say, right? Work so hard that you don't need an, an introduction. So welcome back to Iglap again for the second time. Shai Saha. Hey, Shai. Hey. Hey, Paolo. You're way too sweet. I'm still working towards the, you know, um, be so well-known that you're no need recognition. But thank you for that. Appreciate it. Okay. So, I mean, you're you're doing a great job. I mean, I, I saw you had your um, Independence Day a few days ago. Right, right. That would have been wild in, in terms of, like, planning and all. Well, honestly, this time I actually just attended. Um, so the wow, Independence okay. Day of Celebrations, yeah, yeah, it's always organized by the embassy. And this year marked the commemoration of 75 years of independence. So it was very significant. It was very wholesome, actually. Like, they, they celebrated together in beautiful ways. And it was just nice to be a part of the celebration and to be a part and feel close to, you know, like, your own country, even when you're, like, miles apart. Yeah. So, you know, Shai, before we continue, I usually ask my guests nowadays to, like, give like a fun fact about themselves that not a lot of people know about so why don't we start from there um just one fact or like how how long do you want me to go <laughs> go ahead okay uh fun fact i love anything with chili oil sauce so now that's been like my tiktok hack like mix it with egg mix it with noodles i love it um i go salsa dancing i think that's Maybe a fun fact, and you know, you have to actually come with. We're still trying to get you to come join. And what else? I can actually binge um, watch an entire season in a day if I need to. But yeah. <laughs> about the salsa dancing. So I know someone dear to me who does salsa dancing as well. Uh huh. And I don't think I'm ready for that. You, you, you know, I was born with like five left feet. See, that's what Shant used to say too. And now I take him to the bar, and he literally starts dancing with me. So. There is progress. <laughs> yeah, you know, Ash and I, I have no... Like, I always thought Ash was a pretty good dancer compared to me. So maybe he was just being humble with you. Ah, actually, yeah. I saw him bust out some pretty interesting moves recently. Yeah, so I mean, that was fun. I, I wouldn't say he's like a classical salsa or flamenco kind of dancer. <laughs> but I'm like, he has a groove, you know? So... But that's cool. Okay, so you do salsa dancing. You can finish an entire series in a day which is also amazing. <laughs> like, really? A whole day just to finish one season? Well, I may not be proud to say that I just finished Never Have I Ever in an entire day. So, I guess so, Sorry, yeah. Never Have I Ever? Is that that is season three. It's a modern adaptation of kind of like, you know, a first-gen immigrant who moved to the States. And it's so kind. It's so nice to see her story, honestly. Um, it's nice to see the kind of representation we have nowadays, which wasn't there before. 
and it, it's just nice to see a different perspective uh, than what's usually portrayed in media. So the, the Never Have I Ever is hard because I've never heard of this show. <laughs> I'm just really old school that way. What is the story? Like, what is it about? I know you mentioned immigrants, but like, uh-huh. who are the characters here? Okay, you're going you're gonna to kill me right now because I'm actually going through a complete forgetful phase. I cannot remember any of their names except... Uh, yeah, I, I don't know. I just uh, but basically the main character, um, she moves with her fa- her family moves to the U.S. before she was born, obviously in the hopes of you know giving the next generation a better life. And when she grows up, obviously like you know there's always like a little bit of an identity crisis. I think that when children of a different nationality grow up in another country, because your your parents, your relatives, your home beings always try to hold you close to what they know but you are exposed to a completely different environment when you go to school, when you meet friends, when you um, interact with your teachers and mentors. And so, I mean, sometimes it really does give you a little bit of a clash, like what's okay and what's not. Um, Asian parents, at least like Indian parents for one, they're known to like, you know, have this thing of, you know where the line is. And when you're exposed to different environments, that line kind of keeps getting either extended or shorter because everyone kind of adapts to, you know, when in Rome, do like the Romans do. So the story is really, it's a really nice take on, um, it starts off with her sophomore year, I think in season one, and now it's in season three. And it's nice to see her go through everything a teenager does, but as 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 an Indian, it's growing up in the States. And just like, you know, everything else that comes with it. Oh, that's pretty cool. Um, is it on Netflix by any chance? It is. It's on Netflix. Season three just dropped. Never have I ever, right? Right. Okay, I'm going to definitely give it a try because currently I'm watching a show called Community, if you're familiar. Oh, I haven't caught that. Which one? What's that about? So it's basically about these like group of red scallions attending a community college in the U.S. Okay. And it's pretty funny. It's pretty good. Um, it, It's... It's pretty old. It started in like 2019, ended in 2015. Mm-hmm. No immigrants. Oh, well, there's like one character, but anyway. <laughs> All right. So going back to you, Shai. So, you know, you are, um, you know, like what you mentioned, right? You're Indian in the Philippines. Mm-hmm. And, you know, Filipinos, we usually have our own traditions, right? As compared to, you know, other cultures. I'm just wondering, when you were growing up here, like, how difficult was it for you to, like, adapt, I guess, in that sense? Um, I think the environment you're in plays a very big difference to the kind of, like, how fast or how slow you can adapt. Uh, when you are one among many, it's kind of easier because then you don't feel alone. Uh, but when you are one against, like, the entire other crowd, then I guess it sometimes is a bit harder to find common ground especially when there's a language barrier, the traditions are different, the culture is different, like how you respond to things are different. But, and that's why I bring it back to, you know, the environments that you're in and people having exposure. So for me, at least like growing up when I was in Cebu was very different compared to when I came to Manila. I found that the environment here was more kind of accustomed uh, to having foreigners in classes, to growing up with people of different nationalities, and I think that always plays a difference in how one is able to adapt. So like with that one, I mean, okay, so that's a great answer. I guess Filipinos generally are very hospitable and all. 
But if you don't mind me, like, digging a bit deeper, like, do you remember, okay, so when you moved here, how old were you? I was six. Six. So that's like what, grade one, give or take? Yeah, I actually had to do kinder again because for some reason I didn't know Filipino and then they told me to um, Tagalog, right? And they start teaching you that. So they made me kind of redo a year. <laughs> so they made you repeat just to learn Filipino. Right. <laughs> that is very strange. Okay. Sorry, I, I find that super strange. All right. So, okay, you're like grade one, um, kinder and all. And... So I assume you had like a good time in the sense that your classmates were nice and all these things. Well, I think it was how I'm going to have to rephrase the sentence. I think the environment and what they were exposed to made a difference in how they responded. For me, like, I think it was a lot of their first times actually just having an Indian or a different nationality. Like at one point I was the only Indian in the entire school, which was a very like, you know, it was a factor for being known, like you were the only Indian in the entire school at that point. So when the kind of representation that was also present in media at that time, or even in the things that we see and interact with daily, were not the same as what we have today. Today we have shows like Indian Matchmaking, we have Never Have I Ever, we have Masaba Masaba, and these are all on Netflix, mainstream media, giving people around the world, people, your next door neighbors, to such a different perspective of what um, Indian culture is like or what it is and what it's not. Uh, you have so many international cuisine restaurants nowadays that you weren't there before. So I think like, I always put that as the main factor to how people respond to things. So for me, it was very different. Like at one point it was still, you know, there was no biryani popularity before, or there was no trend of, making your eyebrows pop. And so at that point, it was very different, you know? Like, I was this one um, foreign species <laughs> in the environment. So, yeah, I think it took a little bit of understanding both sides. I think that's very important as well. Um, both sides making an effort to learn something and then find common ground. I just find the whole eyebrow thing very funny because me, I, <laughs> I have pretty thick eyebrows, right? Um, <laughs> But yeah, you mentioned about film, right? Um, because like in the Philippines, I think most Filipinos have seen like The Three Idiots. That, that's the title, right? Right, right. And I haven't seen it. Like if you ask me what's no my way. favorite. No Yeah, I haven't. I haven't. Like my favorite, one of my favorite Indian films, you can ask Ash. Because I kept talking to him about it. And he was like, really? That's your favorite? <laughs> oh, wait, I think Lapan. I know this. We had the conversation. Yeah, Lagan and Monsoon Wedding, which is actually a British Indian film. Right. So Ash is like, really? That's your favorite? I'm like, yeah, man. Because I wasn't really really exposed to many Indian films growing up. Like it was just Lagan, Monsoon Wedding. Fine, you can include Gandhi, I guess. But <laughs> that's not really what Bollywood is, right? Bollywood is about a guy meets a girl. They fall in love. There's a musical. There's a dance. There's a celebration. And it's always like a happy ending most of the time, right? right? But I'm just wondering. So you know, you you had great classmates. Obviously, I, don't, I maybe you know whether or not there are bullies or not. But I guess I'm just wondering um, because he mentioned that the biryani craze wasn't really there. Like Indian food wasn't that popular back then. So when you were growing up, was there any kind of expectation 
that your classmates are, I guess, expecting from you being Indian or was there none? What exactly do you mean of expectation? I guess expectation in the sense like when they say, oh, Shai, can you bring food? Then when you bring food, it's like a dog and they're like, oh, we thought you'd bring, you know, curry or whatever. I mean, something <laughs> like, nothing about being racist. It's more of like they would think you'd bring something unique, I guess. Sorry, okay. does that make sense? It does. Um, I think it was the opposite, actually. Um, at that point, people weren't familiar with, you know, curry can be yellow. So at one point, I would bring Indian food to school, and then it would be like, oh, that's yellow rice. Compared to me moving to Manila and going to college with all my barcada, like my group of friends would all be international. And I remember I was told to bring biryani, and everybody finished it in five minutes. I didn't even get a bite. So, I mean, I saw the differences of exposure. And I know I keep bringing it back to that because I really do. I mean, I've come to the point of understanding that you cannot fault people for not knowing what they didn't know. But at this, and at the same time, it's always like good to see the kind of um, representation we have today that makes it so much easier for the next generation. So I want to ask you about that because, um, because you know how in the past, like what you said, information or knowledge wasn't really um, passed on fast as compared to now, right? Because now we have mm-hmm. the internet, I could Google, let's say, for example, um, national dish of India or whatever, right? And I'll know it's this or that. So I'm just wondering, did you ever feel like people were, you know, saying stuff against you? You get what I mean? Like, did you feel that because of the lack of knowledge, um, you weren't really able to connect to people? I would say definitely, yes, honestly. Uh, there was a very big difference that I would always feel is one, being the only Indian, not in my own class, not in my own batch, but the entire school. So that's not really a factor that you kind of want to get known for eventually. Like, I mean, you're just trying to fit in into a different country, right? Um, I mean, you. I kind of went through everything, whether it's uh, whether it was the food, whether it was not being able to join specific things, whether it was um, the language. Even I think certain pronunciations of words. I think one of the things I remember the the most is in India we would say poem for like you know short form poetry, but here we would say palm. And an eight-year-old me was arguing that, no, it's poem. And everyone else was like, no, it's poem. So I think, you know, there's always certain things like that. And if you don't have the right kind of um, mediators, like adult mediators involved, things don't always end very nicely, you know? Actually, I also pronounce it as poem. So I find that a bit <laughs> strange. That's poem here, right? Right. Okay, that, that's a bit weird. So, you know, going back to you, um, because obviously you have traditions, right? We were talking about this a few weeks ago. Uh, wherein, you know, I was heartbroken, wondering what I'm going to do with my life and all these things. And you mentioned that there's so much tradition in the Indian culture, right? Like the stag party for someone to get married is, they have to like arrive in the venue in an elephant, right? Or something like that. What, what do you call that thing again? The barat, like yeah, yeah, like that. Oh, yeah. Like, he really has to come in in an elephant. Like, well, he doesn't have to. <laughs> but that's a tradition, though, right? Um, I think different parts of India kind of um translate that differently. 
So okay, I think the modern that. adaptation of that could be a Mercedes Benz or a white Porsche, you know, uh, okay. whichever, whatever, like you try, I think resonate with the most. So I think that it, it's basically like the idea of welcoming the groom and his family into the union because in Indian culture and as, you know, uh, I think that one of the most favorite lines of Anji Sima from Indian matchmaking goes, when you marry someone in India, you're not just marrying them, you're marrying the entire family. So yeah. it's a grand gesture of welcoming that family into the marriage hall. Yeah, so like with that, I was so amazed because we were talking about elephants and you did mention about the fancy cars and stuff. But like, why though? Like, why do you think it has to be such a grand gesture? Because um, I'm going to be honest with you. Uh, from from what I know, it's only the Indian culture where the weddings are this grand. Because like a wedding in India is like what? Four days? Five days? Give or take? Well, I think it could even go up to... Okay, so let me put it this way. There's sure. so many different pre-wedding festivities that kind of make up as part of the wedding, if you think about it, okay? Yeah. So when we say that, it's like on the, on the girl side, you have different kind of prayer ceremonies. You even have a ceremony that's like, you know, when the girl leaves her, when the girl leaves her house, there are pre-wedding festivities on the groom side as well. Um, certain communities like to do like a coming of age kind of ceremony. They like to, they are blessing ceremonies, meeting your, meeting your new family ceremonies. There are even ceremonies where after you get married, you meet your in-laws and their family for the first time. And I think all of these like prayer ceremonies and all of these pre-wedding festivities are just the culture's way of bringing two families together because it's not just a union of two people. I think that's the most significant part about it. And all these um, prayer ceremonies are just giving both of them all the blessings they would need to start the new chapter of their life because, you know, once you're in it, it's forever. Yeah, so I'm just so curious about that because, like, when you guys were telling me about all this, like, wow, like, the whole, like, wedding thing, whether it's pre or post or whatever, takes a while. And you mentioned that there are, like, changes in the outfits, right? <laughs> right, yeah. Like, okay, like, I'm just, I'm just curious. Like, how many days was, like, the longest wedding you attended? Of course, that's, like, pre and whatnot, right? Like, how yeah. many days? Well, that's the thing, you know, I mean, the pre-wedding festivities can go up to a week. Like, it, it, it doesn't necessarily all happen, like, like all Monday together. Like, Monday to Sunday? Um, you could say so, but then at the same time, like, there are different ways of interpreting that. So, like, let's say you can have two, like, the modern way of doing it is kind of they just fit everything into a weekend. They get all their family in one place and do it together. But I think sometimes okay. it takes a week, mostly because... You have family usually coming in from all over, whether it's all over India, all over the world. And the different kind of like festivities, different ceremonies have different meanings for each one. So one festivity could just be for the women. One festivity could just be for the men, like the groom side. And then one like together, you know, things like that. It's all just like a really grand celebration of love and union. I think that's the best way to put it. So I'm curious, like, because of course, weddings, there's always like drinking and stuff mm -hmm. like that. Is, is there a festivity just for like the men where we just get like <laughs> super wasted? I think, um, I wouldn't say it's just for the men. I think that's something that's for everybody. I think okay, everyone cool. just wants right. to celebrate and, like, you know, you're getting, like, 
in moderation. <laughs> oh, so there's no like, okay, the go. It's like, it sounds like the best man's but Okay, you know what, man. Well, that's not an official wedding festivity, right? I okay. mean, that's like you have your bachelorette and you have your bachelors as well. But that's not, I, I wouldn't say that's actually counted as an, you know, as a cultural thing. Yeah, okay, cool. That's more of a Western influence thing. Oof, all right. Then I also remember that you mentioned, if it's okay for us to like get into the weeds with this. Okay. But, you, but I remember you're mentioning that um, in the in the past, right? Uh, women would need to change their names after marriage because it brings good luck and all of these things? Well, I think like a lot of this actually goes down to the fundamental beliefs of a lot of people, which kind of ties back to religion as well. Um, yeah. I think at the end of the day, one of the things of why Indian marriages are kind of treated so sacred is because they like to take the next step in making sure that your union is something that will last for life yeah and them doing so they are very strong believers of astrology and they do believe that astrology is a very big impact in someone's life and i think it's not just indians i think it's um i mean a lot of people actually do believe that astrology has such a great impact on everyone's lives and taking that into consideration sometimes there are certain measures that the couple or individually they need to take or they would be urged to take um to for the success of their marriage or at least that's the best way that the astrologers and our elders have always taught us yeah no because like with that one sorry the reason i asked you that was you know how like in the not really western but i'd say like in a lot of countries when a woman marries you know a man right she usually gets the man's last name. Like, for example, let's say um, your last name, then you put like a hyphen, then you put your husband's last name, right? Uh-huh. So one thing, like you, um, as a modern woman, like how do you view that? I mean, it doesn't necessarily mean like how you would do it. That That's not the question. It's more of like, as a modern woman, do you think that's something that, um, based on like, you know, who your friends are and what you've seen, that modern women would still practice something like that or do you think it's just more of something that because it's not a requirement right you can still get married and still keep your last name and it wouldn't be like a legal issue or whatnot right but i see it as something that's more symbolic in a way mm-hmm. you know th- does that make sense like yeah i mean so i'm just wondering like your view as a modern woman how do you see that well i think the definition of a modern woman is one that has choices And a modern woman is free to make their own choices. And so having said that, it really depends on what each one feels the best choice for them and that they resonate the most with. It could be something because they're more culturally influenced. It could be because they are more um, strong believers or they could be just, you know, a gesture of symbolic change. And, but that's the beauty of a modern woman. There doesn't necessarily have to be a single choice. They can, you know, be free to kind of make their own choice, which whatever they feel is like they more connect to. My own view on it is more of we are two individuals in in the future who would be joining like hands, unions together to create a life for ourselves. I think like, you know, doing that gesture alone and deciding that you're going to be together and taking the necessary steps for that 
makes a difference. Yeah. You know, like me, you know, I don't know if I'm just old school or what. But, you know, in the future, of course, I'm going to get married and whatnot. Of course, like my future wife, I always give her that choice, right? Whether she mm-hmm. wants to take my last name or not. But it's like, I don't mean to be controlling, but like if she does, I'll be like super ecstatic and stuff. <laughs> I don't know if that's like a, I don't know if that's bad for me to feel that way. Um, because again, I'm not forcing her or whatnot, right? Mm-hmm. You, know, if, you know, whoever she is, when I get married to her, I'm like, you know, decide what you want. But like, if you choose my last name, I'll be like super killing and shit. <laughs> is that wrong for me to feel that way? I don't think so because I think that's kind of the same thing with my partner. So, like, let's say for me, I actually just love this, the ring of my name, like Shalini Saha. Like, I feel like it's short, perfect, straight to the point. Yeah, I mean, um, my partner's last name goes from two syllables to four syllables. Yeah, I did. I just did a yeah, four. Fun, I was fun count of it. Yeah, and I remember joking with him prior and be like, "Would you? Was it necessary?" and things like that, but. I think for him, like, it was more of a joke because I knew I wanted to do it because I feel like for me, it's just like, you know, that's the version that I connect with. That's the version that I would like to see of me joining his family, of me becoming his partner. But that's, and you know, just that idea itself gave him a lot of pleasure. And it gave him, you know, that same sense of ecstaticness that you were sharing that um, if they want to do it, it kind of makes you feel... Like, you know, yeah, it's not just her and me. It's like us together. So I think that notion or that idea is kind of something that's really symbolic. Yeah. Can I just say you're like the perfect BBC um, guest? Very (laughs) safe, very politically correct answers and stuff like that. No, but yeah, but going back to that, no. Um, Because here's how I see it. Um, Tradition can be important, period. Mm -hmm right? But I do believe that there's some traditional beliefs that could be a bit problematic. You know, like, I'll, I'll talk as a, as a Catholic slash Christian, right? I mean, because that's my experience. I can't really talk about other people's experiences. But you know how back in the day, it's like women need to you know, listen to their husband. They don't really have that much of an opinion. You know, all these things, right? But, you know, growing up with, like, three sisters and stuff and being the only boy, I realized that everyone has a voice, right? Everyone has their own opinions and stuff. And that there are just some traditional beliefs that may need to stay in the past. What makes you say that? Like, for example, let me get, like, a hit of my jewel, by the way. That's PPL right there. That's a good amount of jewel. I wish it was like Nicotine <laughs> just five. No, because like for example, like me. Um, I've always believed that women should be able to make their own decisions, period. Whether it's you wanting to go out, whether it's you wanting to have kids or whatever, it should be like a joint decision, right? But there are just so many traditions we're in women tend to be suppressed. Like, for example, in the Bible, um, one of the, it's not really a commandment, 
but one of the instruction was you know women listen to your husband or follow your husband right i'm not really sure with with your tradition if there's something equivalent to that i'm not very mm-hmm. familiar but you know for me what it means to be in this modern world whether you're a modern woman a modern man or whatever it's like what you said choice like you, you could choose to wear that very nice outfit to a glap. Well, I'm just wearing pambahay, right? <laughs> I didn't tell you to wear that. You, you chose it on your own. I mean, let's just go with that, like, shallow, right? Yeah. I mean, you have the right to make that choice. Like, I have the, the right to make the choice of just wearing a t-shirt. If I mean, but there are just some traditional beliefs where I'm wondering, how could people from the past, especially women, accept that? Because like you know me, I, I'm I'm lucky to be born a cisgender straight man who's middle class. Right? Very, very privileged. But I could not imagine being a woman in like the eighteen hundreds or the early nineteen hundreds, right? Where your job is to have kids, take care of your husband, and that's it. So it's just more of that 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 kind of makes me think about it, you know? Does that make sense? Yeah, it does. Um, I think that kind of um, that notion basically stems from, again, the environment and the landscape of the circumstances at that point. Uh, There could be rooted reasons as to like why that was like, let's I mean, if you take a look at it, like very like surface level, you would not have jobs available for women. You would not have educational opportunities for women. You would not have working um, safety environments for women. So if with those kind of circumstances, the only other uh, situation or role a woman had at that point was to be a wife and to have kids. Yeah. Once these opportunities, yeah. right? Once these opportunities started coming forward, whether it was to work, whether it was to start gaining education, and it was... Um, to just excel as an individual, not just a woman and a man, but as an individual. And when that opportunity became equal to both sexes, I think that's what made the difference and the transition of a woman's role. Now, culturally, and not just in Asian cultures, I think in pretty much every culture, yeah, um, we might even have subconscious biases to what a woman's role has to be or a man's role has to be just based on what is represented in the media. And I mean, even if you look at modern times, if you tell someone, like if a man tells someone that he's a house husband, for some reason that's still negatively looked upon. But yeah. if the woman tells people that she's a housewife, that's that's normal. So now you're seeing a very different change in people of how they're responding to not just women, but to men as well. And I think the difference now is because we have all these opportunities, we have all this new exposure to experiences that didn't exist before. We have new jobs, we have new industries, and all of these aspects just did not have any influence in the past. And that's why there's such a difference in our generation compared to the ones before us, because it was just different experiences. You know, and because of those experiences, we are different people. We think differently. We choose differently. And that's why a lot of the traditions may or may not make sense to us anymore because it made sense at that time when the circumstances were like that, when the situation was like that. But now it may not necessarily have to be the same thing. 
But know, um, you know, our old yeah, generations yeah. don't really want to take that change. Yeah, you know, can I just mention? So I watched the show called Last Week Tonight by John Oliver. So mm-hmm. um, once a week, he has like a 30 to sometimes a one-hour episode and he discusses certain situations. And I don't want to name the country, but um, for this week's episode, he was talking about this particular country that's very conservative. Okay. Um, so when a certain group of people took over the government, uh, prior to that, women could have an education. They can be in the classroom with men, no problem, whatsoever. Now it's only men who can be educated and stuff like that. And in terms of women, most of them aren't even allowed to have jobs unless if they're in the hospital, only because their religion doesn't allow men to treat women as patients. So it has to be like a women-to-women thing. And when I was like hearing this and stuff, I was like, wow, this is really backwards. Because can you imagine you're in the modern world now? Like for, for example, you, Shai, like you're in the modern world, you're successful with what you're doing, right? You also love what you're doing. I mean, that's why you're doing it, right? But then imagine one day that right is taken from you that all you need to do now is just stay at home and that's it. That's awful. That's really, really bad. I mean, for sure. I think the the way I would look at it is one, when we're looking at things from from such a bird's eye view, it's it's kind of very easy to put ourselves in the position to say, oh, if I was there, I would not do this or I would not have done that. Yeah. But sometimes when you are the one going through the experiences, it's a very difficult or a very different um, approach you have to take. Um, based on, I mean, circumstances that are happening and like what I was mentioning a while ago, certain traditions or certain cultural appropriation, yeah, uh, circumstances existed before for a certain time period. And circumstances have changed now, but not everybody sometimes moves with the time. That's why we have different generations. We have this thing with our parents we call generational conflicts. And those are the steps that, you know, it's because we have realized that we don't want the same things for ourselves and hence why we make a difference. But when there is a difference of that generation wanting to stay where they are because it's what they know. And we as humans or we as people are conditioned to stay with what we're familiar with. That's why whether it's in a corporate world or whether it's, in a nonprofit, introducing change and getting people to adapt to that change is very difficult. So how much more to culture, how much more to traditions, how much more to people like you and me? It takes a lot of effort individually and then collectively. And that sometimes does take generations to change. Yeah, you know, um, the reason I mentioned the one about the the country is in the Philippines, I'm sure you notice this. Like, there's like this huge divide whether there's those who are progressive versus those who stay conservative, right? Mm-hmm. So there's this guy. Um, locally, he's a famous rapper. I-, I can't remember his name, but this guy's like 40 years old, 35, give or take. Pretty old, pretty old. Um, compared to me, I'm old, but he's older. You are not that old. <laughs> Oh, I wish. I feel like a 55-year-old. But anyway, <laughs> so this guy, I'm just going to say it in English. He basically said that because, you know, there's certain words, right? When people say, when they start a sentence with a word and you know it's going to be bad, 
you get what I mean, right? Okay, okay. So the guy started out with the term young kings. And then when I when I read that, I was like, this is gonna be bad. So he basically said, Young kings, you know you're in a good relationship when you enter the kitchen and you don't know where anything is. And when I when I read that, I was like, Wow, um, that's pretty bad. You know, <laughs> like how could you not know where your glasses are? How could you not know where the pair of scissors are? You, you know, things like that. Like he's masking toxic masculinity and toxic tradition as you know having a good relationship. Because basically what he's saying is your your girl should take care of you to the point that you don't know anything about the kitchen, which for me is really stupid, right? Okay. So that's how I was kind of connecting it about, you know, um, old school tradition and that. Because in the Philippines, that's considered proper in like the 1930s or the 1940s, mm-hmm. right? But where we are, where we have, you know, women as CEOs, women as successful founders. I mean, the founder of Canva is a successful woman, right? I can no longer remember her name, unfortunately. But she's a successful woman, right? We have women leading countries. I mean, the Philippines, we've had two women presidents. In the U.S., you have Kamala Harris as your VP. I mean, the future is female, and there are people with these troublesome old beliefs. Right. Um, I think you could look at it as something, you know, the way, the way I look at it is there's two ways, right? Uh, yeah. One is these are subconscious biases that we already have that until we are not aware of it, we don't know we're supposed to change it. So some of these things could have just been passed on from our parents. It could have been passed down from our relatives, the people around us, because they're always the first people we look to for similarities for what we want in the future. I mean, there's even a notion of, you know, for girls, when you're choosing your partners, you always look at someone who's like your dad because you're used to the idea the of someone taking yeah. care of you, right? Um, but that's a difference. That that's my point. Like until you are aware that this is not okay, or this is not what you're comfortable with, you wouldn't realize that it's something that you need to change, because it's what you've known for the longest time. It's what's being given to you, and that's why you're experiencing it. And if there is no kind of change or like a little epiphany moment somewhere there, um, a lot of people just kind of think this is normal. And we can't even fault them for that because, again, that's what they have been exposed to. So for me, at the end of the day, I think having people experience different things, having people get the chance to try different things, I think that's one of the reasons why so many parents sometimes urge their children to go abroad and study because they see the difference of someone who grows up in a different culture compared to a different environment compared to when they would stay in their comfort zone. You see the differences of students who come from provinces who make an effort to come to the city, staying in dorms without their families, gaining independence, and then they become different people. And so I think it all bottles down to the different experiences that we have that make us realize what we're okay with and what we're not. And if we don't, if we don't have that own switch in our head, but then again, that switch is always depending on what you know and what you don't know, 
it doesn't really change. But sorry, just let me take a sip of my drink. <laughs> no, but here's the thing, right? Um, I appreciate how you're talking about nurture versus nature, right? Mm-hmm. Those are two different things. But here's the thing. Um, we live in an age where information is easy. I could Google, again, um, for example, Philippine national dish, Korean national dish, or whatever, and I get the answer. So I get your point when you're saying that it's nature versus nurture, that they grew up in a certain habitat where mm-hmm. it makes them have that kind of belief. But could we not still fault them that with how advanced technology is, where you could just simply Google, is it okay for women to stay in the kitchen? Sorry, I'm just going to like put it out there, right? Mm-hmm. Could we not 100% fault them to not want to improve as people but what if that's what brings them happiness like so i think that's another thing that we need to look at like there can be different definitions of what a woman is supposed to be for different people for me it could mean that i would be i am working i am successful in my career i am i'm great with my partner i'm great as a mom as a sister maybe as a mom in the future and as a daughter but that's my okay. version. To someone else, it could be completely different. And at the end of the day, it's what they're happy with. It's what I am happy with. Like, I could have friends who would be just perfectly happy being at home, just cooking and trying different recipes because that's what they want to do. That's yeah, how yeah. they want to make the best use of their time. And then seeing a different kind of happiness in feeding your family, right? So I think the definition of what a woman is supposed to be is very subjective i think that really is that's a choice again for a woman they should be allowed to do what they want to or choose who they want to be and still be accepted for that yes the times have changed yes opportunities are there but there's a reason why there's even articles and hack videos and tutorials about how to use google because even Google itself sometimes needs to be, um, if you're not so familiar, you wouldn't know how to use it, right? There's also a difference about what the media portrays. There's also a difference of what sides of media portrayed, which one is fake, which one's real. And if those different perspectives are shown to sometimes to the wrong person, you know, that's what they would most likely be searching for as well. But that's my yeah. point. Like, I think at the end of the day, it really is each individual's definition of who they want to be, what they define success to be, what they define happiness to be. And as a woman, that shouldn't necessarily be a blockage. You know, I mean, it should be whatever you want to be. No, I, I completely get that and agree with you. No, it's just more of like, for me, if the woman chooses that they want to be a mother or homemaker, they don't want to have a career, 100%, that's your choice, go. But I guess what I was trying to point out is for men, actually, not really the women's mm-hmm. side. I do know a few women were in there like, I just want to be a mom. Like, you know, I'll work for a bit. When I get married, I just want to be at home with my kids, raise them properly. And I completely respect that, right? Because at the end of the day, it's your body, your decision, your life. Right. But I guess it's just more of like the men who are like, how could you not just want to be at home? 
Um, there are people like that, surprisingly. Okay. Like, there are people, I ask him, shouldn't they have a choice? And they're like, yeah, the choice is if you marry me, we're going, you're going to be at home. And I'm like, okay, man, but, um, but what if she has a good career as whatever she is? Like, for example, what if she's a great PR person, for example, mm-hmm. right? But she wants to get married. She wants to have kids. And there's nothing wrong with that. Like me personally, when I get married, I want to have my own kids. I've always wanted to have my own kids. You know, but if my wife tells me that, you know, we're going to have kids, but I need to have a career, I'd respect that. But my question earlier was more about, I get that there are women out there who want to be housewives, who just want to be mothers 100%. And I think that's fantastic. If that's really what you want, go ahead. Right, but I'm talking about men because at the end of the day, um, I've always felt that women should have their own independence in the sense that they make their own decisions. But it's just more about what if there are men out there who are like, no, you need to be a homemaker. You know, I need to earn the most in this family or whatnot. Because you know, me personally, if my future wife earns more than me, I'm okay with that. If my wife is more successful, I'm okay with that. Because, you know, at the end of the day, we all, you know, we all have our own skills. We have our own education. We have our own ways of working. And if she has the opportunity to be like, you know, a CEO of a company or a president of a company, why would I feel bad about that? Right. I'd have to be proud, you know. I'd be like, yo, my wife is the fucking president of, I don't know, HBO or whatever, right? I mean, you know, just an example. So... It's just more for those who cannot fathom that. So sorry, did I make my question a bit more clear? You know, more than a question, I see it more as a as a perspective. Yeah. And okay. my response to that would be, well, it seems like, you know, I mean, if I say it as a joke, it seems like a you problem. <laughs> and I say it like that because mm-hmm. at the end of the day, if we change if collective change is supposed to happen, it has to be done both sides, right? And I think that's why we also say like, you know, we gravitate towards people who we share the same ideals or beliefs with. Correct. Or we gravitate towards people who have the same visions of the future or the kind of life that you want to build with together, right? So having said that, um, if there are occasions where, I mean, you know, personally, I haven't come across a man like that in today's generation. I have in older generations because, again, that's what they were they acclimated believe, yeah. to. That's what they were familiar with. So, personally, I don't have a firsthand experience of, um, of seeing that happen because what I've seen is kind of very similar to what you are saying, right? I've seen both my friends, you know, husbands and wives, like they're both working, leading exceptional jobs, and I think just as a, as a partnership, as a marriage, it is a partnership, right? So at one point, you have to decide, like, you know, what steps you both will take for the lives of each other. That's why sometimes, you know, one steps down for the career of someone else's, and then the other one also steps down for their career. And it's just an understanding between two people at the end of the day. And again, if, if two people are okay with it, we as a third party can't really be the ones to say that's not okay. Right. Yeah. Because that's I think that's one of the things I've learned to kind of 
project in almost every conversation in my every relationship with people that what I'm okay with, they might not be. And what they're okay with, I might not be. And that's okay. Like that doesn't necessarily have to be a reason for a conflict, for, for not continuing the relationship, for not having that friendship or for not respecting, right? There could be some, you know, beliefs where at one point I really go like, oh, I'm so sorry, I cannot respect you for that. Because it just, to my core, I do not agree with. And I think that would just bottle down to disrespect. Yeah. But other than that, if it's different perspectives, I think it's really just, you know, giving one the chance or giving one the the time to get to where you are. Because you didn't get here by your own in like you know in a day it took you time and it all stems from self-awareness so if we give others the same opportunity as well i think that would be you know very different for them too can i ask you shy because you know you're one of the most incredible people that i know in the sense that really balance out stuff right you know you have a great career you know you're a great uh, PR practitioner, probably one of the most underrated in my opinion. Then you're able to balance, you know, your work life with your personal life and all these things. But if it's okay for us to get a bit personal here, all right? Like for example, you, um, for example, of course, you know, you, you find the right partner, you guys get married. What is your perfect post-marriage life for you? Okay, before I answer that question, I'm just going to comment on your preempt. So, you know, the thing is, it looks amazing to where I am right now. But then that's the thing, right? We don't talk about the process. We don't talk about, um, you know, the past or what it took to get here, right? And I think I was just telling you even before this call, like, it's been such a busy day that I literally just had 30 minutes to get prepared for this call. And... But that's a sacrifice that I decided to make because I want to take these measures for the life I want to build, right? Yeah. So yeah. it's there's a lot of work that goes in to get to yeah. where anyone has to be where they are today, right? And the, the funny part is I often tell myself I'm not doing enough. I often tell myself that I could be doing more. And I think that is my... like. I forgot, like, um, I cannot remember where I'm finding this, but the quote I would come across is, your best competitor is yourself. Yeah. Like, there's no other competitor that you need to compete with because everybody's lives are so different. And so I feel like my my own competitor keeps me on my toes to make sure that at least I'm always learning. Um, I think for me, that's the one thing I've always picked up on, like to continue learning, to keep the process going, because there's never enough things to learn. There's never enough perspectives to understand. There's never enough people to meet. And the more people you meet, the more experiences you have, the different your life and the more vibrant your lives become, right? So having said that, the future I envision for myself, like, is really one and i just i remember i said this very the other day in a conversation was it's it's a future where i'm kind of content with the life i've built content could be different things for different people but for me it's really just loving what i do and that's why i've kind of i went the less traditional way of working i ended up doing my own thing pretty early on 
and getting myself into different industries, whether it was international trade, events, business strategy, analytics. And that makes me love what I do. So in the future, I want to continue seeing that. I want to continue the process or the version of me to keep learning, to keep adding more, you know, maybe even certifications or degrees to my name, just if that helps me to get to who I want to be. And personally, I'd love to see a life built together with my partner. But the thing is, I love the life we have right now. So I don't really see a better version of it. Um, we, I mean, I think that's the whole process, right? Like if you, it's not a where you're going to go, it's how you're getting there that matters. And I think yeah. that's like, that's one of the most fundamental things as well. Like being or building a life you have already so as you keep getting older as you keep going forward it just keeps getting better at times not that you have to you know change it to make it better you know that's what i always liked about you shy like you keep things real and what you said makes 100 sense you know um because of course when i ask that question to different people always different answers but for you, you always keep things real. And, and I think it's an amazing thing, you know, because most people will be like, sorry, I'm just going to exaggerate a bit, right? Um, you know, I want a life where, you know, I live in a big house, I have like 10 kids or whatnot. But for you, it's like the life I have with my partner right now is great. Period. You, you yeah, know. it's great. Yeah, and the thing is, that's an amazing answer because because for you, you understand what you want in life, which a lot of people don't, right? So I'm just wondering right now, if I may ask you, why do you think there are people out there who are, you know, older than you or whatnot, who may not know what they want? I think it really bottles down to self-awareness one of the things that i think like i learned as well is you don't really know what to work on if you're not aware of it right yeah whether it's how you respond to things whether it's understanding what your triggers are whether it's noticing that you respond to this in the same way it could be generational trauma it could be trauma inflicted through different experiences mm -hmm. it could be your um, defense mechanisms and the thing about life is and even like you know getting to where you want to go five years ago I would not have thought this is where I would have been that's the funny thing about life right I also learned that the more you plan the universe has kind of a way to you know send you the exactly. complete opposite yeah. way yeah. Yeah. and so I mean one of the things I've also learned is to enjoy the I mean the process of how you got here but not keep that the like the step like use it as a stepping stone you know if if this is where you want to go okay great and i mean you know have keep yourself open to options keep yourself open to opportunities give yourself the chance to gain different understandings i think that could be crucial to you know just understanding more about yourself I think one of the best things I did for myself as well, even like prior to me getting, um, like being with my current partner is I gave myself like kind of a time of self-love. And it yeah. sounds so cliche, it really does. 
but it's so important it's so important for us to be alone with our thoughts to be yeah. alone with our with our hobbies to understand what we love to do and i think that growth as a person kind of you know made me connect with my partner in such a different way and yeah. i think that kind of makes such a difference to how your relationship goes individually and together and you know i think for me that really is like the the core of everything like if you take the time to understand yourself you are so much closer to understanding the people around you and it could yeah. be even a simple thing as if your boss is saying something that pisses you off instead of saying i hate your boss start looking at it a different perspective and saying wait a minute why am i so bothered with what my boss is saying yeah. what about him saying it it's triggering me and yeah. i think understanding those things or getting or getting yourself to that mindset of looking at it in a different perspective could you know make a difference in your life and it could be like monumental differences at least for me it has been so yeah yeah i completely agree with you shy again that's why i like you so much so <laughs> like you do paolo <laughs> No, but I mean, like in the sense that you're talking about self-love, um, about self-improvement, and all these things, because it's true, you know, generational trauma is legitimate to the point that you've seen Dix Disney Pixar films recently, right? Like Turning Red, <laughs> Encanto. I love this era of Disney Pixar where there's no legitimate villain. Uh -huh. It's about generational trauma, generational pressure that turns into drama because that, that, that that's the that's the that's the truth right like you know you know you're you're a kid of immigrants i'm somewhat of a kid of immigrants as well uh but the thing is our experiences are different right and we look at our experiences of course in a different way we all have our different likes dislikes our different um hurts our different happinesses and all these things but the important thing is to know yourself that's basically what you said you need to know yourself the most like what you mentioned about if a boss criticizes you about your work instead of just saying i hate my boss he's a jerk or she's a jerk why not think about what they said like what you said right, right? why is it bothering you why does it make you sleep as at night is it true is it something you could improve on or things like that I remember um, uh, recently, I was wondering to myself, you know, what is happiness, right? Very what makes me happy? Sorry, uh, what is it? Very philosophical, yeah. <laughs> well, I mean, I had that snack in your house that I still find <laughs> not, it wasn't spicy whatsoever. Ash sent me several links. What was that snack again? It was so good. It, reminds me of, <laughs> it was like, Bujia. Yeah, that was so salty, but zero spice. Um, amazing. Like, you know, I was eating that. I was like, what is the meaning of life? I was thinking of here comes the sun, right? Um, <laughs> but yeah, no, I agree with you that it, it kind of comes back from within. That you need to think about what is life? What is this for me? how do i become a good person and when you realize that that's when you could become a good partner to whoever you want to be a partner with yeah spot on. that's why i always said 
I always liked you because I felt that within you that, you know, of course, we all have our struggles in life, period. No one has no problems in life. But you understood yourself. You understood your emotions. Like, you're emotionally in check. Trying. That Still in the process. Me. In the of process. Course. <laughs> I mean, you, know, you know, like, where we want to be. Um, because I always say, before, I used to think of self-improvement as the final destination. But self-improvement is always a process. Because you always make a mistake. Let's just be honest. We're humans. We're not perfect, right? We always make mistakes along the way. But what separates us from like anything else is when we make that mistake, do we recognize it and do we start over and try better next time? Or do we just choose like, you know what? That's just me. No effort. So it's like two different things. Yeah. Well, Sorry, that's that the thing again? about people. Like sometimes we don't. Um, and when I say people, I mean ourselves as well, right? Sometimes yeah, yeah, yeah. we don't recognize at that point that it's it's a mistake that yeah. you did. Sometimes yeah. we're very quick to just point out, oh, because it was like this. Oh, because the grab came late. That's why I was late. Or because yeah. the internet was weak. And so that's why I wasn't able to do my, my exam properly. And we're very quick to basically point out circumstances are the reason of why we're like this. And yeah. the thing is, it takes a lot of individual self-will for you to realize that sometimes maybe it's not. And that kind of ties down into like how you take relationships as well. And like before I say what I like, one of my favorite quotes of all time, one of the concepts I came across very recently was if you kind of want to evaluate where you are in your life and if you want to see if you're happy with where you are, think of the first five people that come to your head if you're thinking about who you're surrounding yourself with. It doesn't necessarily have to be the people you know. It could be mentors. It could be, you know, personas. It could be celebrities that you follow online, for that matter. But these five people are the first five people you think of. And if they are positive influences in your life, then you can say that maybe you're in a, you know, in a place of your life where you're actually moving towards growth. And having said that, like one of my favorite, like um, I call her like a relationship guru. Um, but she she's actually a relationship like coach, therapist, and world um, worldwide speaker. One of the things that she says is, your partner's not responsible for your happiness. You are. And I think that's so powerful. And the thing is, um, not a lot of people fundamentally understand that. Like, yes. I could bottle that down to certain things I like to do that maybe my partner doesn't, or some certain things that he likes to do that I don't. But it doesn't mean that he loves me less or I love him less. It's just the idea of having our own thing and then sharing that with each other. Because yeah. that's what, you know, being in a partnership, in a relationship, and, you know, whether it's friendship, it's the same way as well. Like, whether it's with best friends when you're younger, we rely on, like, you know, and or when you're older, we're so quick to get offended if someone cancels on us without yeah. realizing that, hey, it could be something else, you know? So having that kind of understanding really puts you in a different place to understand people, whether it's understanding your relationships, understanding your boss, understanding you know, the people around you. And, but that's the thing. It, it, it has to stem from a step that you take. 
And this quote, honestly, I, I've heard it like four or five years ago, but it's still like etched into my head because that's just how powerful it was. It's and true. sometimes I think it also has to resonate with you at the time of your life. Like sometimes if you're not ready yet, you could be hearing it, you could be seeing it, and it just wouldn't process. But then I think when you put yourself in that mindset or when, you know, mentally you are ready, it's, I think it's a lot of manifestation, right? You attract what you project, quite literally. Like, you know, there's this guy, uh, he has to show method Daniel's laws. And I had this episode with Lorraine, if you remember her. And we were talking about relationships and whatnot. And my view of relationships are two cups. Two cups. Okay. Your own cup and your partner's cup. Okay. You cannot pour what you don't have. That is very true. Yep. Okay, like, you, know, you have to fill up your own cup and the excess goes to your partner. And your partner should be the same, where you're just giving each other excess. Because if you don't love yourself 100%, how can you love someone else? That, that's how I see it. But Daniel's thoughts, this asshole, okay, did it so amazing that I'm like, I wish I thought of it first. Because for him, he sees life and love as a jigsaw puzzle that he lost the instructions to. You know, you've done a jigsaw puzzle, right? Yeah. So he, he, what he says, and it makes 100% sense, um, sense, is when you have a jigsaw puzzle and you lose the instructions or you lose how it's supposed to look like, you start off in the corners, right? So let's say the first corner is family, the second one is friends, third one is hobbies, fourth corner are is work, right? So you do your corners first so you can make yourself you know, go for the middle part, right? And most of our lives, we're wondering, what is this middle part? So, you know, we get the relationships and we force their jigsaw puzzle into our jigsaw puzzle. It just doesn't fit. Right. Because their jigsaw puzzle is different from our jigsaw puzzle. But then we realize that the center of your jigsaw puzzle is your own happiness or your own self-love. And instead of forcing another person's jigsaw puzzle into your jigsaw puzzle, you're able to just simply combine it. Not to the point that you're forcing their middle into your middle, but it just makes sense to put it together. For sure. Yeah, that's actually it's such so a beautiful perspective. Yes, about it. Because <laughs> I just bought two cups, and this guy who's Scottish, <laughs> by the way, gives this amazing, you know, um, idea and i'm like fuck you man you, you know i'm the one who went through a bad breakup <laughs> you know, you're earning millions of dollars just doing stand-up here you know but it's basically what you said then <laughs> right? like you need to know yourself you need to love yourself and you need to respect yourself before you get into anything else right sorry do i sound like one of those drunk uncles like <laughs> Not at all. No, I'm getting a lot of like these these nugget pieces from you. So hundred percent. Yeah. What do you call it again? Bujia. 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 Right. No. What was that chicken you gave me though? That really amazing chicken. Was it like a tandoori chicken? I think. Was it? Yeah. It was a bit fancy though. 
so sorry for our viewers like i i went to shy's place and you know i had um amats that just was just giving me this amazing food and both <laughs> she and both she and her partner were so amazed that i was eating spicy food i'm like this is spicy <laughs> <laughs> Well, yeah. I love someone who has like the same level of spice. Exactly. You know, fanatic, I like me. so surprised about it. I'm like, we've been friends for how many years? Of course I love <laughs> spicy food. You know, if you gave me the, the deep fried chili and stuff. But yes, Shai, sorry. I don't want to keep you any longer. You know, you've been a great guest. And, you know, you're very busy. I also want you to rest. Oh, thank you and, for having um, me. But, you know, again, amazing guest. But before you let you go... um. I guess, what do you want people to get from this episode? Mm, okay. Um, I think a lot of what we talked about today is new experiences, building yeah. self-awareness, and acting on those things. And I think if for, for people, like if there's one thing that you can get out is to never kind of stop yourself from trying something new because you never know how that can change your life. Whether it's for growth, whether it's finding a new hobby, whether it's, you know, remembering like, you know, a learning nugget for years to come. It's just kind of crazy to see how sometimes the smallest of things have such an influence in our lives. So, you know, never stop yourself from trying new experiences and use those experiences to kind of build awareness and learn as much as you can about yourself because that influences so much about how we respond to others and how we respond to ourselves jesus christ Shai, you're really awesome but you know, <laughs> no no everything okay, you said, i'm glad i'm doing a good job <laughs> but you, you are like you know you you shortchange yourself but you know that was amazing um yeah um, I have nothing else to say. I mean, I don't want to ruin that, but, you know, Shai, thank you so much. Um, you know, if people just want to contact you for anything, whether they want you to, you know, they want to work with you or get more nuggets of wisdom, you know, is it okay for them to contact you? And if it's okay, um, where can they contact you? Sure. Um, I mean, I, you can contact me on Facebook or Instagram, um, Shalini Saha. So it's a Shai. Oh, yeah, it's shy on Instagram. It's that's right. Shy. Sorry, it's uh -huh. shy. But yeah, shy, <laughs> thank you so much for being here. You've been awesome as usual. Thank uh, you, Bob. Back next week. But shy again, thank you again so much for being here. We got to be back next week. But everyone, stay safe, take care, and good night. Bye, everyone. Good night.